Welcome to Robin Wesleyan Church. My name is Brock McDonald. I'm one of the pastors here. And I have some very exciting announcements for us here as we get into our service. First of all, Operation Christmas Child, the shoebox thing, they're, they're due back today. Uh, so run to the church right now if you want or after you're done watching this. But uh, the guy's coming to pick them up Monday morning. So hustle in with them if you want them to get out this year. Uh, that's that's the first big exciting announcement. Number two, Morning Star Mission, that awesome ministry in Napanee. They're running their warming center again this December. So you can contact the office at admin at robinwesleyan.com if you're interested in that and you want to help in some way. Uh, it's lots of good love to be given out there in the warming center overnight. Uh, number three, and it's kind of fun. There's three people getting baptized today. So be praying for them. Uh, this is the, the thing, one of the things Jesus commanded us to do is to proclaim that we're following him, to say that he has irrevocably changed us. And just pray for these three baptized people. Uh, that they would be able to walk out in faithfulness, the good walk that Jesus has prepared for them. That's, that's a really exciting thing today. We're going to try and get it recorded, and maybe we can include it next week. Uh, but cameras and water are pretty fun stuff. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, number four. The Christmas Choir. We had a great first practice. It's a lot of fun. It's a beautiful arrangement. So if you would like to sing with us, uh, there's lots of space in the bass section and others where I am. Uh, you should come out. Uh, so you can contact the office if you want to know more information about that. We have a digital listening track and music and CDs so you can practice on your own. And we're going to have a few more practices before we record and present it Christmas Eve. Last announcement here, uh, come up to youth group. If you're a teen, we're going to have a lot of fun. November 25th, Silver Lake, the, the Wesleyan camp just up the road, they're bringing a ton of games. November 25th, it's going to be a lot of fun. They're going to bring their own tuck shop with them somehow. Uh, I guess they have a truck and a trailer, and they're bringing tuck. So bring your pocket change and bring some friends. We're going to have a great time. We have youth group every Thursday night from 7 to 9 here in the building, but it's going to be extra fun November 25th. So that's all of our announcements today. Join us in person at 9 or 10.30. We've got services here in the building, and there's lots of space. We're social distance, and it's beautiful to gather together. You can give your tithes and offerings and support to the various awesome ministries that are going on via e-transfer, or in the building at the Devon Machine, or with cash or check. Hello, everyone. Welcome. Pastor Bert here. I am thrilled to be able to talk to you today on our third in the series on hardships from the book of Acts. We've been living there for longer than that, but we're talking about hardships. And here's what we've been saying. If we are to fulfill God's purposes in life, we have to increase our capacity to face hard times. Uh, life comes with pain. It comes with uncertainties. There's chaos. Uh, there are difficulties, challenges that happen every day in our life. But know this, God is preparing you and I for the future. Today's storm is preparation for tomorrow's storm. We believe that's why James could say, consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And it's not always pleasant. It's not easy to say, but it's amazing when God does it. We, we did a prayer or prayed a prayer last week, and it went like this. God, I don't love hard times. But I love that you are increasing my capacity to face hard times. Just know that within those times of chaos, within those uncertainties, those challenges, there are opportunities and God 
is building us. So we've been talking about the early church. They faced hard things. Uh, we talked about the fact that they faced the difficult stress of vital decisions and how hard that is. And that can be hard in our own life too. They faced the harsh disappointment of misunderstanding. When you step out, when you step away from the status quo, when you endeavor to become more, when you follow God, uh, you're going to be misunderstood. You're going to be ridiculed. Number three, they face the huge responsibility that comes from successful outcomes. In fact, sometimes the only thing harder than failure is success. And all the responsibilities, the, the criticism and the critics that get louder, the how you get the resources out there become much more complicated and it can be hard, but God helps us in those. Number four, we looked at, they face the extreme messiness of human suffering. When Peter and John came to the gate of the temple and they saw the man who had been crippled from birth and they brought the healing of Christ, but all that happened to them out of that. Five, they faced the harsh pressure of surprising opposition. It's always hard to be opposed, but it's when it's surprising that you're opposed for doing the right thing, the good thing, and who opposes you can be so surprising. And that's what took place. They ended up being jailed, flogged for helping someone uh, be able to walk again and bring healing. But they turned the opposition into opportunity. And that's what I, I want to do. I want us to do is that every opposition that we turn it into an opportunity to be used by God. So that was week one. Now, week two, uh, online, we looked at two things on November 7th. Uh, they faced the sobering consequences of insincerity. And we talked about Ananias and Sapphira and how they collaborated and lied about selling a piece of land and giving it all to the church where they kept back part for themselves when they said they gave the whole. They wanted, it, it appears, they wanted the accolades that came with a generous full gift without giving a generous full gift without the sacrifice and when we face insincerity uh, when we face hypocrisy either towards us the lies that come or maybe we have found ourselves in the place where we haven't been sincere and we have had to go to the lord and say i'm so sorry and then uh, finally last week we looked at they faced the illogical injustice of jealous intentions and we see the high priest they are jealous of the disciples these unschooled men who are uh, working and acting in the name of Christ and they're seeing beautiful ministry and they received that jealousy that can so easily come and we read James it says um, for where you have envy and selfish ambition you have uh, you find every disorder and every evil practice. And so how did they respond? Do you remember? They pleased God rather than pleased people. They kept a kingdom perspective. They focused on gratitude and not uh, their own injury. They even rejoiced because they remembered what Christ had suffered for them. Well, here we are in week number three, and we want to continue to talk about hardships and we want to look at two different areas today from the same portion of Scripture. And we're, we're in Acts chapter 6, and we're going to be reading a portion of it in a moment and hopefully have it on the screen for you. 
and sort of wrap our heads around something that happened in this, this church in its early days. And there's really two hardships that we want to talk about from the same story. So the first hardship is this. They faced the inevitable challenges of meeting the demands that accompany growth. All right, so let's, let's read this. It's Acts chapter 6. You can follow along in your Bible. You can see on the screen here. In those days when the number of the disciples increased, was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. Verse 2, So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the Word. Verse 5, this proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Also, Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Hermanus, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles, who prayed and laid hands on them. Now I want to remind us that the book of Acts is about expansion, the expansion of the gospel. Jesus said, after that, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so uh, we're, we're just sort of scratching the surface of Acts, but we're beginning to see right so far the, the expansion hasn't gone too, too much beyond Jerusalem. But the church is growing. It's expanding in its influence. And at this particular juncture of time, they are probably in the tens of thousands of people. And I want to give you some verses to, to lead you to my math. Acts chapter 2, verse 41, right at the beginning. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. 3,000 baptized. By the way, we're glad that you're with us online. But boy, if you were here in person this morning, we don't have 3,000, but we have three, three people that are being baptized. Uh, believers, water baptism here live at Roblin Wesleyan. So rejoice with us. And we just are so proud of, of Haley and Wyatt and, and Wesley. But uh, what a thing to rejoice. 3,000 were baptized on this day. And then in Acts chapter 2, verse 47, it says, And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And so we see this, this growth. This, it, it's beginning the rippling effect of the gospel. Then Acts chapter 5, verse 15, 14. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. And so what we see is growth. We see joy. We see power in the Holy Spirit. They're being taught. They're meeting together. But with that comes needs, and there comes responsibilities, and even headaches that come with those responsibilities. And so we come to Acts chapter 6, and it starts out by saying, in those days when the number of disciples was increasing. They, they're increasing. There is a complaint that emerges here. 
So it says the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So distribution of food, a rubber meets the road ministry that was taking place. Amongst all the growth, the miracles, the preaching, there was a food distribution program to those who had lost their husbands. And then an inference had little way of supporting themselves. So the Hellenistic Jews were against the Hebraic Jews and basically saying, our loved ones are being overlooked. But here's some thoughts for us as we try to understand what's going on here and understand the time, the culture. Jews from Jerusalem and Jews from the surrounding area were gathering often in Jerusalem. In fact, as far away as Rome, 2,200 kilometers as the crow flies to Rome, and all the way to the west to Mesopotamia and the east, um, those from the west were called Hellenists. And so they would have been familiar with that uh, Greco-Roman culture. They would have spoken Greek, probably instead of Aramaic. And uh, since Pentecost, Jesus' followers often supported these visitors. Um, some of them, their lives were changing. They were believers. They were coming to faith. And some of them were probably rejected in their own synagogues. And so they weren't being looked after. And those from afar were far away from their synagogues. And that's why we know there were so many Jews in other places, because there were synagogues. We see that when the Apostle Paul uh, begins his missionary journeys that he would co go to these in Asia Minor and beyond. He would visit synagogues in these Greek Roman uh, cities and towns. And so that we knew there were Jews other places. Um, Acts chapter 2, verse 44. We know that they supported one another. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods. They gave to everyone as they had need. Acts 4.32, all the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything they had. They were supporting one another. There was just such a groundswell of joy in the Lord in what he was doing amongst them. So the Aramaic-speaking locals ended up overlooking the Greek-speaking widows. And they were neglected in the distribution of food. Um, the problem appears to be just a low-level supervision and management problem. So, well, why do we say this? There's not a sense here that this was done on purpose. <laughs> There's not a sense that this was systemic racism. Um, we get this from verse 12, where it says, The twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word in order to wait on tables. It seems that there's sort of a simple thing going on here. There was neglect. They needed to have someone that would step up and oversee, and there was not the proper supervision that was there. Now, there's a clarifying statement. It's not about the waiting on tables. 
this isn't an issue of that was above the apostles. We know from Jesus himself that uh, I came as leader. Um, I came to serve. And, and as leaders, we're, we're called to be servant leaders of people. So it wasn't about the fact that serving tables, it was below them, nor should it be below us. But they were able to clarify what they were to be about, the ministry of the Word of God and fulfilling the calling to speak that Word, the ministry of prayer and the ministry of Word. It was that important. So this was a clarifying time. So there's very little information about the widows. A custom at the time would be for elderly Jews who were not from Judea to come back to their homeland, even to die. And so it may very well be that they were coming. And as we talked, there would have been plenty that were elsewhere that would come back to Jerusalem, the, the land of King David in their lives. Now, it's possible the widows weren't fluent in Aramaic. They were aware from the care of their own synagogues. And the apostles wouldn't necessarily think to check on them. And after all, at this time, they were overseeing thousands. And so what did they do? They, they called the disciples together. We, we see a sense of discussion. And they um, choose seven, in this case, seven men. One of the perfect numbers. Seven is, is such an important number throughout the scripture. But they, they choose seven, seven men. And it says, known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. So uh, reputation is really important. Uh, our reputation, that they're known, that they have a, a life that, that shows itself to, to be God-honoring. And it's interesting, um, full of the Spirit and of wisdom. And it's almost like we see a little mix of theology and psychology. Well, listen, some of you are ready to turn it off as soon as you hear the word psychology. Theology is the study of God. Psychology is the study of us. Uh, it, it's the study of how, how we think. And so there's almost a mixture of we need those that are following after God. They're full of God's Holy Spirit, but they're also full of wisdom. Do you know that you can be filled with the Spirit, but still lack tact in dealing with people? Now, we're all different. God deals with us. We all have weaknesses and strengths. And God works, but, but because we come to the Lord, because we have started on this way of faith, it does not magically make us able to do some things over other things. Now, there are times God gives spiritual gifts, and it's amazing when he does that, and, and that shines through. But we can't have the Spirit of God without having all of the tact to deal with people. You can be filled with love and still be weak in some areas, sometimes in our era, we call it that emotional quotient, that being socially able to deal with people and navigate people. They needed to have that. They needed to have, have the Spirit of God, but they needed to have wisdom. Um, God's work done in God's way. God's kingdom was fueled by God's character. And we're to be people who have the character of God. And so therefore, we have to be careful. We just don't say, oh, well, they don't have a godly reputation, but they're just serving tables. 
it was important to them that even in, in what may have been considered, may have been considered a, a lesser than, the, than what the apostles were doing, leading the church and, and preaching and doing all these things, that this was a lesser thing. So it doesn't matter whether they're following it. No, it did matter, and it, it does matter. And so they choose these seven men, and the first one is Stephen, which is so vital. This is our first introduction to this man who would be a, a game changer in, in what was happening in the early church, a, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit. And then we're introduced to Philip, who, um, who did so many beautiful things that we're going to see in the book of Acts. They presented these men to the apostles. They prayed, and they laid hands on them. When's the last time that you laid hands on, on the dishwashers among us. Uh, when's the last time we, we remember that every ministry is so important? Don't underestimate the significance of decisions. Don't underestimate the, the growth that we're setting up for tomorrow when we discern God's people to be involved in ministry today and we look at how God used Stephen and Philip. Last Friday night, we had a ordination service for three women who were uh, brought into ministry in the Wesleyan Church, and this was in Brockville. Well, it's almost like they had an ordination of them. They laid their hands on them. They prayed for success and for blessing because even in the distribution of food, it was about the kingdom of God. It was about love. It was about the character of Christ. It was about unity. It was about fellowship and joy together. It was about being the church. So this oversight, this neglect, it was hindering the work of God. It was just a little bit of a, a speed bump in all the good things that were going. Do you think that serving tables is important? Uh, do you think that serving in the nursery is important? Do you think that, uh, Kim, do you think that children's ministry is important? Absolutely. You, you see, um, you think it's important when we're involved in greeting someone or seating someone, we do it unto the Lord. That's what it says in Colossians 3.23. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord and not for people. And so we do it that way. So the next verse shows that the momentum seems to, be, um, seems to have continued and in part because they gave attention to some issues some things that came to them, and they, they recognized there was some neglect. And it simply says, Acts 6-7, So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. And so they're entering a whole new realm. God is speaking to his people. And in part, it's because they dealt with a simple situation. They faced the inevitable challenges in meeting the demands that accompany growth. All right, so that's, that's the first hardship, a little bit of a different angle, but we wanna stay in the very same story and we want to give you a second one. They faced the potential divisiveness of complaining done poorly, all right? Of complaining done poorly. So here we are again, same place, Acts chapter six, verse one. In those days, when the numbers of disciples were increasing, the Hellenistic Jews, that is those 
Greco-Roman, non-Aramaic-speaking Jews, among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So in this simple Greek word study, and I am no Greek scholar, and sometimes I decide not to give you or even try to do a pronunciation of a Greek word, but this could become one of my favorite words. And the Greek word here for complain is googismuth. Googismuth. Now listen, if you are a Greek scholar, don't burst my bubble. That, that's how I'm going to pronounce it for now. Googismuth. It's, it's a fascinating word. It's from a late verb, guguzo, and it means, and this is what's really important, googismuth, it means to mutter or to murmur. And this is what caught my attention when I looked at it. There, we look at complain and we think of it being a little bit more highbrow because that's how we've translated it in most of our English translations, complain. But I'm not sure it carries the full weight or understanding of the word when you start looking at its actual meaning because it's not just complaining. There's a murmuring involved. So let's look at other places where googie smooth is used. John chapter 7, verse 12. Among the crowds, there was widespread whispering. And there's your word, googismus. Widespread whispering about him. Some said he is a good man. Others replied, no, he deceives the people. So it's the word whispering that we've translated from the Greek word into English. Uh, Philippians 2.14. Do everything without complaining. There's our word, googismus. Do everything without googismus or arguing. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 9. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Googiesmith. You see, it's a sort of a secret grumbling. It's like this buzz. We had uh, earlier tonight as we were getting ready, we had a little bit of a buzz in our system and our sound system. We got the buzz out of the system and then there was a buzz because there was a fly overhead. So you would have laughed if you could have been here a minute before we started recording to see Pastor Brock trying to kill a, a fly, hitting the ceiling and having all kinds of white drywall fall on top of me and I had to get it out before we recorded. You didn't need to know that, but it was comical nevertheless. Well, Googie Smooth, secret grumblings that buzz away till they're heard. And so our English word complaint, it, it, it doesn't do justice. It, it seems like this formal protest, but that's not. Those who were unhappy were grumbling and they were murmuring. And they were criticizing, but not necessarily taking it into the public. There's this whispering and murmuring and, and grumbling. And so they're not necessarily taking it to the people that can solve it. You see, that's often what the difference is. Is there anything wrong with a complaint? We need to have complaints. This was a real issue. That's not, that's not what we're saying. The issue is real. They dealt with the issue. But the way in which it was done has a little bit of a shadow when you begin to look in the original language. The complaint seems to be legit. The widows were being overlooked. The manner in which the complaint was made seems to be suspect based on the word describing it, murmuring. The word obviously got to the apostles, but there seems to be indication that the complaints were not directly brought to the apostles. And so I want us to notice per that per se, it was not the widows complaining. 
So we are not throwing the widows under the bus. All right, do I get any pats on the back for that? We are not throwing the widows under the bus at all. In fact, it does not say that they were the ones complaining. It was, um, it was those around them. It was the Hellenistic Jews who complained against the Hebraic Jews that their widows were being overlooked. And so now you not only have murmuring, you have secondhand murmuring. And that can be the hardest murmuring to receive of all. Have you ever been the brunt, for instance, of a parent defending their child? or the uh, child defending their parent, or a wife defending her husband. And, and sometimes the offense grows when it's in a second-hand situation. Well, it could be. This is not minimizing the injustice, but it is a caution about how we approach or communicate injustice. And so, so here's a question. How many times has bad behavior or bad attitudes been excused? Let me start again. How many times have bad behavior and bad attitudes been excused based on the perceived justice of the cause? So the, the means uh, justifies the end. Um, until this point in Acts, for the most part, and of course we have Ananias and Sapphira and it was dealt swiftly and, and God dealt with that. We have a unity. There's a togetherness. They're one in heart and soul. The ministry of the church, it was of purity of God's Holy Spirit bringing a purity of heart to them. As he continues this cleansing process of the Holy Spirit, he comes not only to empower, but to bring purity to our lives. And we have to submit to him, And it may not happen in a moment, but it's that being transformed by the renewing of our minds by the Spirit of God. So purity is the character behind the mission. Unity reflects the heart of the mission because within unity is love. And the essence of God is love. The essence of Jesus' ministry was love. When we're unified as a body of believers, we reflect and give witness to the world of the love that motivated Jesus. Let me put the verse before you, John chapter 13, 35. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. That one of our greatest tools of witness is loving one another, is unity. And therefore, by inference, one of the greatest hindrances could be our lack of unity and our lack of love for one another. Keeping unity among believers is absolutely imperative. Murmuring, complaints to the wrong people do not bring unity. In fact, murmuring can create unrest. It's very contagious. It can be like a, a spreading of a sort of a verbal disease. It can undermine leadership and create doubts and questions. You know, it's, it's been said that uh, many times children who, who struggle with faith, sometimes, children who struggle with faith, it, it came around the, the dinner table of murmuring against others in the fellowship. And that's what turned them off from the gospel. That's the testimony that has arisen from many. We have to be so careful 
what we say, even though what we're talking about, about may have validity, we have to check ourselves. How are we saying it? Are we bringing constructive criticism, as we call it, or complaint, or are we murmuring even to people that are not the right people to deal with it, and it creates disunity amongst us? Well, the apostles, they worked to solve the issue. The Grecian women, uh, widows were cared for. Uh, they cared for the issue of unity. Um, more leaders were empowered for ministry, and so we see a great example of spreading the ministry and caring and, and bearing the burden together. They recommended, they recommitted themselves to the central mission of the church and their ministry, preaching the word to prayer. It was beautiful, and the church continued to grow. So we've talked about uncertainties, hardships, and we're going to continue a little bit more. We're, we're not done yet. We've just looked at two today. There's still more to come, but we're not going to get them to them today. We are learning that if we are to fulfill God's purposes in our lives, we have to increase the capacity to face difficulties. And that's what God does. Today's storm is preparation for tomorrow's storm. What the enemy means for evil, God means it for good. Joseph said that to his brothers, what you meant for evil, God means it for good. He wants to take the uncertainties, he wants to take the chaos, even the mundane issues of life. And as we face those, to use those as stepping stones of a greater capacity to face tomorrow's challenges. Today, we see that God will use even the everyday events and demands that accompany growth. Small issues can become big issues if we let them grow. The apostles were willing to delegate responsibility so that ministry could continue. They kept their focus on the ministry. In this case, their initiative squelched potential disunity by putting to rest the complaining that somehow they discovered out there. Murmuring or gugismus can be hurtful. It can be contagious. It can undermine leadership and it can bring a spirit of unrest. Gugismus. I think maybe it's our new word when somebody's talking to you if you just simply say, well, gugismus. <laughs> we need to seek appropriate ways to voice complaint. Take it to those who can do something about it and don't give up too quickly if they don't hear you the first time because sometimes we, we excuse ourselves. Say, so, well, they didn't hear me, so I'm, ex I'm excused now and I can, I can be this way. Well, the means may still not justify the end. When we are aware of murmuring, seek to avoid defensiveness. The apostles could have become defensive. They could have turned it off. They said, well, we don't want to hear any of this. If that's the way you're going to act, if this is how you're going to be. The apostles kept their eyes on ministry. They sought solutions, and God brought growth. He increased their capacity to lead and expand and he removed, as they removed the obstacle. And so in closing, the challenges of today can be preparation for the challenges of tomorrow. What are you going through? What are you going through? We increase our capacity to face challenges by working through issues and avoiding bitterness, avoiding defensiveness. In every uncertainty comes an opportunity to grow and an opportunity to improve. And all of us, all of us want to work to keep the unity 
amongst one another, to love one another deeply, as Peter said, uh, forgiving one another and, and even overlooking areas so that we can love one another as Jesus wants us to be unified. And it's one of our greatest tools. Let me pray for it. We are grateful, God, that you're helping us. We face things. We face challenges. We face daily tasks. And they're not easy. I'm speaking to people right today, in person and online here, who, who have businesses, who are workers. They go, they're in situations and work environments that are difficult. They face murmuring. God, I pray that you would help us to be people of integrity, even when we face those kinds of hardships. Lord, help us to be wise. Help us to be willing to share the load and, and to see others raised up to be fulfilled in ministry as well. We just look forward to what you're growing in us. Put down deep roots so that we, tomorrow, will be further up the road than we were today. And you can use us to speak into someone else. We give you all praise for these things in Jesus. Hey, thank you so much for joining us. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and present you unblemished in his glorious presence, to the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority, through Jesus Christ our Lord, from before all time, now, and forevermore. Amen. Amen.